0: Hey, Queeros. Cami here. Oh, boy. I am so stoked because, okay, there's this book I read when I was on vacation. It's called Body Grammar, and it's by Jules Oman, and Jules is my guest today on the show, and I have basically never booked somebody faster while reading a book. That's not true. I also, I have got, I have had so many great conversations with writers on this show. I am a big reader, and I fucking love it. I can't believe I just get to talk to who I want to talk to. Anyway, enjoy this conversation with Jules. Also, do you live in Los Angeles? I'll be performing there October 15th, or Vancouver, October 22nd. I'll be in San Francisco on November 12th. I'll be in Seattle November 20th, and I'll be in Chicago December 30th and 31st. Those are all stand-up dates. You can get tickets at CameronEsposito.com. Oh boy, please enjoy this episode, and I can't wait to see you live. So many The shows have been selling out, everyone. All the shows have been selling out and everybody there is jazzed out of their fucking mind. So come be a part of it. Can't wait to see you. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still
1: on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless.
0: I always have guests to introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself?
1: Um, yeah. Um, I'm Jules Omen, I'm the author of the novel Body Grammar, um, which is a queer coming of age uh, love story. Um and I'm also an educator. Um I work in public schools. Yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. What do you what do you do in public schools?
1: I run a writers in the schools program so we put like published writers in high school classrooms and they teach creative writing to high school kids. It's super fun. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That sounds very helpful and thank you for doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah um, of course. My pleasure.
0: Your book is amazing which is why uh, why we're talking to each other because I I reached out to just say that I love it so much. I, uh, I brought it with me on vacation and it was like such a nice bit of company to have because it's so, um, it's like a very, it's not like a beach read, but I did read it on the beach and it's very, um, it's very engrossing and very specific character study, um, feels like a place and time thing that I really related to and thought was interesting. Anyway, I just loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was so great. Thank so you so congrats much. congrats and thank you for writing that book so
1: I could read it. Thank you for reading it. Yeah, <sighs> and thanks to Katie for reading it. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. yes,
0: my wife also read it and really liked it as well. Um, I've got so many. This is autofiction. Yes. Like, some of it is based
1: on some stuff from your life, right?: A little bit, not uh, not as much as I think people are thinking, but i uh okay. I was a I was a teenage fashion model. I was a gay, awkward, androgynous, weirdo teen fashion model, kind of like Lou, um the protagonist, but uh, but how did any- that happen?
0: Hang on, I'm just going to stop you right now. Yeah,
1: there. no, it's a great, it's a great place to start. Um, so when I was 15, actually, like quite a bit younger than Lou is in the book, I just started getting approached by women in shopping malls who were just kind of handing me modeling agent cards. And, and that
0: details in the book. And that felt like something yeah. that's real. Otherwise, I don't know why you would know about that. So it anyway. was.
1: Yeah. And the weirdest place I was ever approached, which is not in the book, was at a Green Day concert when I was in high school, mm-hmm. Um, just like leaving the Green Day concert. And this woman came up to me and my dad. Um, And yeah, it was very, very surreal. And I was not super interested in doing it as a teenager. And then I was very into writing at that age, and I was like, you know what, I think this would be like an interesting thing to do or to write about, um, kind of in a, I don't know, in the, in a pretentious kind of 15-year-old way. Um, and so I asked my parents if I could, and they were like in the middle of their own stuff, and I think they were like, sure, whatever you want to do is like cool. Um, and then I uh, ended up, yeah, I, I actually never did any runway modeling, but I did um, I did, like, editorial shoots, and I was represented by a New York agency, Um, and I spent a summer when I was 16 in Singapore modeling, and I was a really bad model, (laughs) so I— Why is that? um, I was, like, uh, I wasn't very feminine. I think that, like, a lot of the things that in the book I changed about how Lou is kind of celebrated for— her genderqueer oh. stuff like, is kind of the opposite of what my experience was like. So it's oh. kind of a it's kind of a gay fantasy in some ways, I think. Oh,
0: so. oh devastating to find this out. I know, I'm I was sorry. Like, I was like, fashionist. It's yeah, I, never, I never knew it, but it's fantastic. Um,
1: but I think it might be now.
0: I, All right, it, hang on. It, I yeah. want to ask... I want to go back for a second. So when you're a child still... Yeah, ...and totally. you're being approached like this... And I guess maybe I'll start by saying because I think this, because this is, like, in the book, and then I, like, looked you up a little bit, and I was like, oh, I feel like maybe that's also real. Is it, like, were you getting feedback about why? Is, it the, is the vibe, like, a certain amount of thin plus, like, hot in an unusual way? Is that what people are looking for? Like, is that why you would get when people, because they're approaching you. They're saying why, right? Like, right. So what were you hearing? What are people saying?
1: People were saying... I think this is in the book too, like you're very interesting looking. Like uh-huh. and, and I was, yeah, and I was very thin and tall. I'm like five nine, five nine and a half. And they were kind of like, I was like the right kind of shape of whatever they were looking for. And I was dressed like a teenage girl at that time. And I had like kind of long hair. And I think I kind of like looked like what they thought I would look like or should look like. And then, you know, they put me in high heels and it was a mess. I think that's mostly why,
0: yeah. What is interesting looking what does that mean
1: I think you kind think? of like uh kind of alien like people mm. at that age there were there are all these like this is like a weird part of the internet but like fashion forums where people talk about models which is weird mm. too because a lot of them are children like you said um and so my I was talked about on these fashion forums like if like I googled myself at that age and People were kind of like, "Oh, she has kind of a like lopsided face, and that's kind of interesting and big a eyes, weird jaw. It's just <laughs> like stuff that you would never think like people would, I don't know ever notice about your face, I guess, but
0: yeah. but I mean I I can see it in that like, uh even just from your author photo, it's it's just like I think that we do sort of, I mean I don't know if it's like when I grew up. And the emergence of supermodels, or like if it's some, um, if it's like America's Next Top Model. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I like have some understanding of what the thing is. I can see that you have the thing, which is like, yeah, yeah, just a, just like a s- stunning or stark set of features. I think that's what, like at least from what the, from the outside, not having any part of this industry. What I would imagine, and I would also, I wonder if that's what you want people to be saying about you when you're a teenager like does that, that, that feel like positive I think it like could be really positive for somebody to be stopping you and being like I think you should model but I also don't know I don't know if that would feel positive at all if what they're then saying is you're interesting looking I don't know or maybe yeah. you don't even want the attention I don't know what that experience would be like
1: I think at that age I I was flattered because I think yeah to be told it was kind of the era of like America's Next Top Model I think was like totally kind of peaking around then or after then when I was in college, and um, and it was like a huge comp- I mean a huge compliment right like in terms of like what uh, society tells you you should look like your model is like kind of the biggest. Felt like the biggest compliment to be like a sixteen-year-old girl or whatever, and be told that, you know. Right. Um, but on the other hand, I wasn't. People weren't like, "Oh, you're pretty," which I think was kind of like at that age. Yeah. I <laughs> felt really self-conscious about like, oh. "Am I pretty?" You know what I mean? Or I didn't know that I wanted to be pretty. Um, but I think that that was kind of like what was more maybe coveted as a,
0: yeah. That
1: if that makes sense. sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. Sure. Oh, I still struggle with that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, cause like, I feel like I'm both in the experience of like being happy if people give me other feedback, like like hot or attractive or like handsome or I don't know whatever. People want to talk about my jawline or something like that. yeah. There's a guy on my show who talks to me about my on my TV show who talks to me about my jawline that feels nice, but then it's also like sometimes if that. If it's a lot of attention in that area, then it's like, oh, no, is this like another side of ugly? Like, is being this stuff so much when, like, that's not what I a pink person <laughs> right. would wear or would want? I don't right. know. I just totally. feel really confused by this still. Like, if I want to have people think I'm pretty, I feel really confused by that. How do you yeah. feel about that today? Do you want people to think that you're pretty?
1: I don't. I think like or like that's not the word that I would use. Like I think the words. Do you have a better word? I think the words you just used resonate with me. Like yeah, Yeah. if somebody's like you're, I don't know. I guess like yeah, I think handsome or beautiful or something that is less like Hmm. feminized. But on the other hand, like you know, men are pretty, and there are ways to be pretty. You know, that's what I'm saying. So there is like a part of me that I think still would like
0: that yeah it feels also complicated when it's like if enough people are not saying it then i'm like and oh, it must not be true but i mean some of that is i don't know how complicated it is for other people to encounter somebody like me i don't know anyway this is really it's big stuff i don't know
1: it is yeah
0: yourself when you lived for 16?
1: When you um, were 16?
0: And you were living in abroad?
1: I lived in a model apartment. Yeah. When I was living abroad, I was living with other I guess they were mostly adults. Like I was 16 or 17 and uh there were like a lot of like 20, 21 year olds who were living in this apartment with me. And then which is pretty weird. I was I really just, <laughs> I just at read. that age just like read a lot and That summer, I think I watched a lot of, like, Sex and the City by myself, but, like, I wasn't, like, really, like, out partying or in that scene at all. I was, like, just kind of still doing my own thing. But but in retrospect, it's wild to think about putting Mm -hmm. a 17-year-old in that position.
0: Are other people partying? I have no idea what the vibe is.
1: I think in the way that like 21 year olds party in other places, they're partying there too, you know? Like, oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. But I didn't experience it very much because I was so young and I was just kind of like, uh, I was shy, I think. I didn't, oh. I didn't feel like I wanted to go out with them. But I made friends with other people who are my age, but a lot of them had like parents with them or like chaperones. So there was like a girl who was a couple years younger than me and her mom was with her in Singapore when I was living there. And I spent a lot of time with them, which is kind of funny. But But you did not have a chaperone. I did not, no.
0: And after that experience of being sixteen and like living on your own like that, what what happened next in your life?
1: Um so I basically was they were trying to get me, my agency in New York, um, was trying to get me to go do New York Fashion Week and, like, do all the shows and everything that kind of ends up appearing in the book. Um, and I had been applying to college, and when I was a senior in high school, I really wanted to study creative writing, be a novelist, and I, um, ended up getting, like, a scholarship to college, and my New York agency was like, we'd really like you to come do the shows, and it was in, they're, they're, like, in September, and, um, so is the beginning of college, and I was just kind of like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I think I want to go pursue writing. I don't want to go any further with this. I think I was afraid too of what would happen if I stayed. So in some ways, where the novel takes off is really like this alternate kind of version of what my adult, my young adulthood could have been like. I think in a very right. not current day. Like the book is set kind of more in 2018, and I that was like in 2009. But um, I. Kind of made the opposite choice of Lou. So, but I right. experienced some of it. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause it's, yes, it's about somebody making a similar or like in a similar situation to try to decide about college or, um, or yeah, pursuing this. That, um, I mean, what a, I don't know. That's it. First of all, it's like a big decision for anybody that age to have to make. And then yeah. when you reflect on that now, like, yes. That was the right thing, feel great about it, like, love it, look at where it led me. Or do you ever, are you ever just like, boy, I wonder what that would have been like?
1: I guess, like, that's kind of where this part of the book came from, is just uh-huh. like that kind of, I wonder, I wonder what that a bit would have been like too if I had been kind of in a different position with my, like, understanding my sexuality or my gender or like stuff that I think Lou is kind of grappling with at a younger age than I did. Um, And if the fashion industry had been different, I think that, like, I think it is different now. I've seen a lot of models and seen stuff in the fashion industry that there's a lot of interesting stuff happening cross. When I was in it, it was, like, super gendered. You, like, walk women's runways, you walk men's runways. And it was, like, very, like, delineated in that way. Um, And now I think there's, like, a lot more kind of crossover happening. There's people with different kinds of bodies modeling. Like, it's not so, like within that certain kind of like very limited view of like what a model is. Um. Right. And so I think like if I if I was now as like someone in their 30s like was like gonna go be a fashion model as like the person that I am right now, like that would be interesting, but I think I don't think I would have made the opposite choice at that age. Like I don't think that that would have been the right thing. I think I would have like really struggled more with like body image and food stuff. Like I was kind of on that path and I was worried about what would happen if I stayed in that environment any longer. So
0: Yeah, talk to me more about that.
1: They just, I mean, you have to say a pretty I mean, at that point anyway, like a really small size. Like I was a, you know, sample size is like zero or two, I think. And like that's very much not what my adult body ended up being like. Um, and I'm glad it wouldn't have been like a healthy weight for me, but Um, I definitely got pressure from modeling agents to, like, keep my hip size down and, like, stay a certain size. And um, People are openly
0: talking about it.
1: Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I I mean, yeah. Directly to me and to my mom later, too, which is kind of wild.
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, using specifics, like, specific measurements and, like, poundage and numbers like that. Like, it's, like, that specific. Yeah. I mean, of course that doesn't shock me I do think that like well let me think about what year this would have been like I'm thinking about growing up because I grew up in like sort of the with the. I'm a little older than you so I grew up in the time where like when I was a kid supermodels were like emerging for the first time and they were on the cover of all of like all magazines and I knew their names even though I was like a child yeah yeah and they were like in George Michael videos and that was fun and it was all very like awesome but i don't think that we it like kate moss hadn't happened yet so like heroin chic like that happened a little right that happened like i don't even know years but like that happened like maybe at the end of the 90s or something like that but like there was the full 90s where like people had i don't want to say normal bodies because they were still wild but like there weren't There wasn't necessarily like the same sort of like rib counting going on, and then, um, and then that happened, which again sort of lined up with like the era of next top model and those things. So right. I'm imagining like that's when you were. Par- I'm imagining that's leading right up to 2009, and like, I wonder if people that are listening even know what I'm talking about because I feel like that is this is like such a thing that then. Now, it's not, things are not fixed, but somehow the internet just has other people who are famous. Like, you can be a plus-size inter- influencer, and so there's just, like, a different, it's not so much focus on, like, three people, and those people don't have to right. be the same amount tiny. But this shit fucked with me, and I wasn't even in the thing. So, I mean, I can't even imagine right. what you were going totally. Because I think it was, yeah, it was fucking with all of us. I mean, that the that was really, really rough. That was a very rough era in fashion, in magazines, and in just bods in general.
1: Yeah, Terrible. Yeah, 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 bods in general, for sure,
0: yeah. Tough time for bots.
1: You know, tougher than usual.
0: Actually, yeah, like, I think that was one of the toughest times for bots. like, yeah. for real.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, and you were there, you know, front lines. Yeah,
1: front lines, for sure.
0: Hearing it directly. Yeah. I mean, I was, like, hearing it by seeing pictures of you, but You're you right. hearing it directly. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awful.
1: Yeah, it was, I think, like, in some ways, like, working on the book and, like, writing this kind of, like, alternate version of it for me. There were there were cool things about it. Like, it was the first time in my life I was ever around queer adults who were out. Like, cool. I didn't know any. And I think that I was suddenly around, like, people who were, like, just, like, creative New York people people and, like, mm-hmm. creative people and wherever, like, in Singapore, where they were just, like, I was kind of interacting for the first time with, like, I mean, primarily gay men, but I think that, like, also just all sorts of people who were just, like, creative artists who were kind of in the fashion scene. Um And so I think I wanted to depict that, too, because it was, like, it, later I was, like, wow, I just, like, had not, I knew, like, maybe two out adults as a kid and teenager Mm. if that I think like maybe like our my high school drama teacher like I think that that was like about it and (laughs) and it was like everybody else it's like that was the first space I was in where I was like oh this is like actually like something about this is speaking to me and why and it wasn't it didn't really occur to me until I was older I think why so so yeah it was like very complex I think there was like all this damaging kind of like Stuff happening in terms of just like you need to be like this, but then on the other hand, it's like a lot of people who have a lot of like freedom with their bodies and with like who are artists, and I recognize something in that too. So,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, sounds yeah, like I think that would have been really appealing to me too. Yeah, yeah, it was just elsewhere watching Gia, I'm sure. That
1: sure, right. similar. <laughs>
0: You've been, like, alluding to it, but we we haven't, like, really gotten into this zone. But, like, just when you're talking about gender specifically, because, like, sexuality, yes, that also would play into some of this stuff. But I feel like the gender stuff, like, that's, like, for for sure a huge part of um, this experience. So when did you start to have the awareness that, like, I mean, you were even talking about, like, that you were dressing like a girl when... these folks were approaching you so like what what's different now and when did that change
1: I mean it was starting to change a little bit that at that age I had like a high school boyfriend and I used to like wear his clothes you know like it was just (laughs) stuff like that where it's like okay like what's happening here you know um and when I was in college um I think I had a lot of I, I was, like, around kind of queer people. A lot of people who I was friends with in college weren't out until after college. It was, like, a small liberal arts school, but for whatever—it was in the Midwest. It was actually in Galesburg. I don't know if you know where that is in Illinois, but it's, mm-hmm. like, um three hours south of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there were, like, a lot of kids from the Chicago suburbs and, like, St. Louis. And I think it was just kind of more Midwestern— um, in that, like, it took people longer to come out and I wasn't out in college. Um, But I think I started to dress a little bit more how I wanted to dress at that age. Um, And then it wasn't really— I moved to Montana for grad school to get my MFA in fiction. Um, And I was suddenly around, like, a lot of, like, like, out lesbians who had moved there from, like, Brooklyn. And I was like, oh. I'm like you, you know, or like there's something you can dress like that, you know, like it was just like, you're so cool. And like, I didn't know that you could be like that, you know, and like, and it was suddenly like this, like very like queer scene in the middle of Montana too, which is like kind of funny, but was amazing. It was amazing. And like, you know, just all these writers and they were kind of like, it was the first time that I really saw myself in somebody's gender presentation or like where I was like, damn, like that's, that's cool, you know? And I didn't even know I wanted to do that. And that was kind of when I, when I broke up with my boyfriend and, like, started on the path that I'm on now, I think. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's so complicated. I think even just the last few years, I've thought about it more than I had even at that age. But yes, I'm curious to talk yeah. to you about it because I feel like stuff you've said on the show has really resonated with me. I just listened to the Andrea Lawler re-release. Oh, yeah. And I love that conversation. Just, like, I think about it all the time.
0: Oh yeah! What an awesome person! Yes, yeah, <laughs> <That's a>, totally, <laughs> totally such an awesome person. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's been hey, same, you know, it's been a big couple of years for me too, and um, I remember when when folks like, what's that person's name? Rain Dove?
1: Yeah, Rain Dove,
0: totally. And yeah. then there's that other person that is in that movie, um, called Below Her Mouth
1: oh yeah that, um
0: that is hang on a second what is that person's name
1: i know who you're talking about i was at a party that that person was at the other
0: day and i said i know exactly who you are <laughs> um yeah. but uh yeah like again even just to keep it in like fashion for yeah. just a second it's like i remember when i was reading well first of all i mean obviously i also remember kim When Kim was on (laughs) America's Next Time. Totally. Top model. Really important stuff. Yeah,
1: very important. Um,
0: But Kim, who had, like, short hair and was queer, was also, like, then wearing, like, a spaghetti strap tank top. Right. we weren't, they weren't, like, letting, it wasn't, like, you get to have this hair and this sexuality and then also wear these clothes. Like, it was baby steps. (laughs) Right, totally. And so Kim was, like, I don't know what Kim had to wear, but it was, like, not. Anything that I want to wear, um, and I was dressing like in spaghetti strap tank tops, also. But I just remember when I was reading about some like AFAB folks that were, um, yeah, were doing like modeling for menswear. Then I was like, <gasps> yeah, this could even be cool. Right. Like, holy shit, you be get paid to do this. If somebody's getting paid to do this, then that must mean it's okay. this right. is, how, this is <laughs> this right? Is, this is a way somebody uh, can think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that stuff was really impactful for me. And now, I feel like I've been like walking past because I I live half the time right now in Vancouver, and like I live really close to their like fashion whatever Michigan Avenue or like Fifth Avenue, where like all the like fancy stores are. I live Yeah, really close to there which is not something I have in my life in L.A., so I'm constantly walking pl- past windows with, like, giant ads, and I feel like I haven't seen that in a long time. And even, like, Banana Republic has, like, folks who are doing, like, gender fuckage.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, banana? totally. Like, we got all the way to banana? We did. We made. I mean, we we went past a gap, and then we backtracked to banana. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, where we're at. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, but it's been a big deal for me, I think, you know, to see... Uh, It's not just about, like, well, yeah, to think that anything, if anything's, like, okay for public consumption as opposed to just within queer community. But, like, this is a street in Vancouver where people are coming to shop. It's not, this is not the gay neighborhood. Um, But, like, talk, thinking about this book and your decision to, to set it now. I mean, it just sounds, it sounds very healing to get a chance to write. To write in a Banana Republic forward world,
1: <laughs> I know totally. It was, you know, like there was something about it that I think, like in 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 that sense, in terms of like how Lou is kind of, you know, it's it's complicated because she's kind of celebrated for her androgyny or like gender fluidity, but then on the other hand, she's also like a little exploited for it, you know. Yeah. And there's like a kind of flip side there that is, I didn't want it to be like she was. um like, suddenly comfortable in this way that, like, you're kind of never comfortable when you're 19, you know, like, or maybe right. never, but I think, like, that there is something there that is complicated. Um,
0: totally. I mean, yeah. it's also a commodified environment. The same way right. that, like, if I'm on a TV show that wants me to keep my hair right, the same way that it is, like, rad, okay, we love that, representation, all that stuff, but then I'm also like, oh, you're getting the points, the, like, credit. right for having my hair on your show, but like, I have to wear my hair in real life, you know, and I like earned this hair.
1: Right. <laughs> you just fucking got here, man. You're you know, right. like, yeah, you have so, no right to this hair. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I do, I do feel like that's in the book that, that like line. Um, well, what is it like in your other job encountering students as the person that you are just because that would be I mean, uh, you're setting up, you're setting students up with writers, but are you also, you are also physically in schools?
1: I'm physically in schools. Yeah. Yeah. I used to teach for the program. So I was teaching in high schools. Um, Yeah. And so it's not like being an English teacher where you're in there for the whole year. You kind of like show up as an outsider, as like an artist and, you know, do 10 classes with kids. Um, But now I'm in schools just like observing other people's teaching and I'm kind of just like writing along with the kids and kind of interacting with them. Um, it's really interesting because I live in Portland, Oregon, and, um, I grew up in Portland, but I grew up in the suburbs. Um, and, you know, it was whatever when I was in high school, like 2004, 2005. Like, like you said, the fashion was so different. Like, there was, like, yeah, I wore spaghetti straps and, like, Daisy Dukes and, like, the whole, like, that, the aughts fashion coming back right now stresses me out, to be honest, because I feel like the, like, kind of that, the kind of, like, uh, Tube top, whatever that was, like was traumatizing to me in high school. You know, like being expected to do whatever that just, was. Just as
0: long as we like, also keep the like Billy Eilish like sloppy, oversized. That's what uh, I want sweatshirt in the same. Right now, it seems like those zones are existing at the same time, where it's right, like, right. yes, there's like a whale tail is popular again, <laughs> but like, <laughs> also we can still do this, True. and that leads me to believe that like people will have some flexibility. But I, but you're right. If the if the giant baggy things go away. Then we're we're fucked. We're fucked. Um, yeah, we've already been there, so we know we're fucked. But keep keep going. So you're talking about uh, schools. Yeah, keep going.
1: Yeah. So so yeah. So it's it, it's actually just really interesting to see what kids are wearing because I, I mm-hmm. think like we were virtual for over a year during the pandemic. So you didn't see kids' faces at all. You didn't see what they were wearing. And um, they're just like blank Zoom screens. Um, And then now going back in this kind of like whatever phase of COVID we're in right now, they've all been on TikTok for three years. And so like just the way that queer teenagers in particular, but just teenagers in general, have been on TikTok in the pandemic, like fashion feels like it's like fast forwarded into something totally different. Different, cool. yeah, it's, it's really interesting, and like, yeah, and I think like this, I'm envious of the like slouchy cardigan, baggy pant like androgyny thing that's happening that's like cool for Gen Z kids because it's like, man, I had to like put up with the spaghetti straps, you know, and I would have failed to wear whatever that is. But yeah, I think I'm too old for it now, but oh, whatever.
0: No, I, don't, I mean, come on. I'm actually, I actually wear some of that
1: stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, it's cool, you know? <laughs> I totally do. <laughs> I, like, I went and bought some stuff. Um, What do they call you? Like, uh, as a, uh, like, what's my, like my name, you mean?
0: Yeah, like, do they call you Jules? Like, what do they call yeah.
1: you? Yeah, they call me Jules. Yeah. Yeah, even when I was teaching, like, I... Yeah, I've always gone by Jules. And I think it's interesting because I felt really, like... um, Like... I felt really self-conscious going into schools and, like, having to... Especially because I grew up going to schools, not in this district, but, like, one district over. And, um, I don't know, just those kind of, like, little coming... Like, coming out kind of to, like, teenagers... Like, yeah that's that's exactly what I'm asking about yeah yes. yeah it's weird it's like and I think that like in, in it totally depends on the school and like the part of the district you're in in terms of like things just like are wildly different in different schools um but I think that I have that feeling of kind of like anxiety left over from my own high school experience of being like is this a safe environment to like mention my wife or like or to like dress how I'm dressing and like should I adjust that in some way. And, like, I work with queer teachers. Like, there are out teachers in this district, and a lot of the—a huge percentage of the kids identify as queer, which, like, blows my mind. I think we did a survey, and it was, like, of just the kids I was working with, and, like, one specific thing, it was, like, 40% or something. Wow. Like, just, like, really high. Um, And And so in that way, I'm, like— it was actually one of the reasons I, like, started using Say them pronouns initially was when I was teaching high schoolers and I was kind of like, I want to like, um, signal in some way to kids that they can use whatever pronouns they want. And then I think I was like, oh, actually this is like a comfortable space for me to be in.
0: Um, Word. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how has that been received? I haven't had like too many, I'm trying to think if I've like had a bunch of, I'm trying to think of who I've even talked to that is, like, in regular conversation with, teen, like, specifically yeah. high schoolers. And then, like, yeah, like, yes, they know, first of all, they know how to use they, them pronouns. Right,
1: yeah. Right? Like, For that's, sure. that's, that's my understanding. Yeah. Nobody's
0: surprised about how to conjugate this. It's fine. It's, like, happening. They understand what's going on. Is that the vibe?
1: Yeah, yes. I, I mean, a lot of them are using them, you know? Yeah. Or, like, so I think that that. Way more so than adults that I encounter in the world, you know. I think it's just like very um, regular to them. I don't think that's true across the state of Oregon necessarily. I think it's pretty specific to Portland. But, um, but I think the internet, like, and TikTok and all of that, like, has done a lot for that too. Where they're like in a global conversation about it, rather than Mm -hmm. just like in their one school. It's not like so siloed. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, totally. And what about parents? Do you encounter any? weirdness around your identity and then interacting with students
1: i don't i don't interact with parents in the position that i'm in um i am always curious to see them around but i i don't interact with them um i know that there's been a lot of like news recently about queer educators who have been targeted um by parents in their district or, like, not in their district, you know? And I think that that's been really, um, just super upsetting to see, like, especially yeah. because it's, public education is a really difficult space to be in, and anyone who wants to be there, like, like, it, it's like they're doing a, you know, usually doing a good <laughs> thing, you know? And so it's like that you would yeah. want people out just for the sake of how they're presenting is, like, pretty... Right. It's horrible, you know. And,
0: and I know we're talking about Portland, which I have a lot of context for. Maybe not all of the listeners have context for, but it's like a an interesting place in that Oregon itself is not necessarily crunchy and progressive, but sometimes full of guns and Confederate flags, depending yep. on how far you are from the city. Um, but that Portland itself has like some whiteness going on, but has like yeah. a lot of like gender forward, sexuality forward uh culture going on that people are talking about it a lot. It's like in the ether. That being said, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just good to hear like that it's sort of not a problem because it's that thing of like of all of the fights are gonna like rise to the surface. So right. maybe this is specific to Portland or or maybe this is specific to a similar type of environment, other places too. Yeah. I don't I don't know, but it's just like good to hear a story like this because it's I think it's not something that we usually hear about, or at least, like, that I usually hear about, you know?
1: Well, yeah, and I think it's been, like, I mean, speaking of healing, I think, like, that my high school was, there was, like, maybe two out kids at my high school at that time, and they were both, like, bullied and harassed, and, you know, I was certainly, like, not a space people were safe in, and I think that that, um, to see it change so dramatically in such an incredibly short period of time is just, like, there's, like, a whiplash feeling to it for me a little bit, Um, where it's like hard to believe it's like I'm in schools where I was and I like where I went as a high school student to like you know play lacrosse or whatever and like it's just weird to be in those spaces and be like man I can be here as an adult and be who I am and how I look and it's (sighs) nice you know
0: it's hard I think sometimes I think that is that's there's a there's a lot in that you know to like get used to that safety or then like mourn the other guy right. that didn't have that feeling and then to try to be in the present, you know, as opposed to in the past. I mean, that's I think that's really hard. Um I don't know what this will be like for the current generation, but like damn, this has been it's a fast change to try to live through. Yeah. to try to be like no, I'm I'm good. Right. right. I- <laughs> totally. Um yeah, it's just like a lot to carry in all those spaces. Yeah. I also want to ask you about this before I forget. I'm trying to think about like having had the experience of being, of modeling, like you've mm-hmm. done that, of doing that at all, and sort of like public perception of that field as like the like vapidity that it might. Entail. I mean, like Zoolander exists. Right?
1: Yeah, like, oh, that's
0: yeah, absolutely. We, we were like, we like made that movie. Yeah, I think that things have changed around people understanding that there is art. This and and also even things like, oh my god, what is the Tim Gunn show? Oh, Project Runway. Like, oh, I yeah. think there's there's been enough in the ether like since the time that you and I were growing up when pe- if people talked about models that felt like very like silliness or whatever. Yeah. Except that then you like see the thing you see you know. Tire Banks, not always the best, but she did show us that like, it's hard to hold your body a certain way, you know? So we have like some of that stuff, but it still has that connotation as opposed to like being a writer, which I think is such a, like a serious and scholarly, you know, like if we were to look at these two things, they're so, they're so in opposition in terms of like public perception or how people might encounter you at a, Bar. Yep. You're like what do you do for a living i'm a model what do you do for a living i'm a writer um so i'm just curious about like how you think about that or how those things interact in your and then and then using modeling for as fodder so then it's baked into this other career yeah. so that when you're doing all these you know conversations about the book you're talking about this other thing and it's it is a very cool but your main character is also you know into photography. So like this tension exists in the book and it exists in public perception and it exists in the fact that you chose that topic to write about. It's yeah. just like, really those things are in conversation. Can, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, totally. It's interesting. Like at that age, I was like, when I w- went into it being like, oh, like um, I, I want to write about this. I was like writing short stories in high school. And I, when I was like kind of on these shoots, like I would be kind of like writing my journal or whatever. Like, and I was like, you know, kind of self-conscious of that fact, but also I think, like you said, like there's this kind of like more serious or like intellectual kind of vibe to that or like in- impression that people get yeah. that I think I wanted to be taken seriously like as a creative person even at that age because I was around people who were literally just seeing me for my body. Like oh, I just, wow. you know, could have been yeah any brain inside of my body. It didn't matter. And I think that that felt like i was pushing up against something in terms of my own like self-expression and being a he- person in that space where it is kind of like d de- it is kind of dehumanizing cuz you're just kind of like a um you know you could be like a mannequin i think there's more to it than that obviously like more expressiveness and people who are really good at it like there's they're bringing more to it just than just that but i think for me i felt like i felt really divorced from my body at that age i think i felt like i didn't want to spend a lot of time thinking about it, and so instead, I like wrote. And then I think it's really interesting because my experience with the public publishing industry is not actually that dissimilar from the modeling industry in terms of like a public facing. Suddenly being in a public facing um, situation, where like you know, as working on a novel for, I worked on it for almost a decade there was a lot of just private time where I was just alone with the book. And then there's been the last three or four months where suddenly other people have read it and I'm talking about it. (sighs) But I think that that has been a really kind of surreal experience because I think at that age, I was suddenly like facing the world um, as a model and like having to kind of account for my body and how I was, but then also, you know, visible to people. And then on the other side, like, suddenly my art is visible to people. There's just like a dichotomy there that I'm like still kind of working through, I think, but.
0: I hear you. I really, I mean, I really relate. I think, well, how I experience my own job is, you know, like it's an art form that I chose. So amazing. Can't believe anybody gets to do that. But then also like, it is dehumanizing to be the product, to be, to have your body face, even words also be the product that you're selling um and i think that's part of like making art that is inherently odd in a yeah. commercial society because um hey, you know, other people do jobs where they sell other stuff, like they they're a salesperson for like a car. I have no idea how that feels. Maybe it maybe you feel like I don't even fucking like this car. <laughs> or maybe you're like I can go home at night and I don't have to care whether or not this car like works well or whatever but you know when it's your body your face or even your mind i do think that that is a very complicated thing to live with yeah because it's like i'm also a person outside i'm also a person
1: (laughs) yeah totally totally yeah and I, i think like that um the assumption too with the book of like is this like um how much of it is real or like where mm-hmm. is it coming from in an emotional truth way or in an autobiographical way or whatever like i think it's i could have kind of only done this part of it like where i'm talking about it now i think 5 years ago i would not have been able to talk confidently about myself enough to do it or something mm. like i didn't feel confident enough in like either my gender or my sexuality that like inevitably kind of comes in especially cuz it's a queer book and like is marketed as such and has almost exclusively queer characters in it. And so it's kind of like has, um, brings identity into it, whether or not that is like a personal thing or not.
0: Does that make sense? It does make sense. And thank you for that wording also, because when I was asking you at the beginning if it's autofiction, what I I meant was, I don't think these things happened to you, (laughs) all of them, but it does seem like you've been here. Like that's reading it. That's what it felt like. It just felt like, I don't know how somebody could write this You hadn't been there emotionally. Maybe yeah. that's, I, I mean, I hope that doesn't sound like a discredit to your abilities as a writer, but I just think no. like we write what we know and the things that I often know are like the emotional resonance of something. And so, you know, you move the pieces around, but like if you've been there emotionally, I think for me, I can tell and it's something that I really... Yeah, it's like an it's like an own voices argument, you know. Maybe the yeah. own voices argument is like right. I can tell, like I can tell if somebody's been there. I think that was something that was like so beautiful for me about the book is that yeah, I didn't get the impression like that that it was your autobiography, but um it's a compelling story that feels lived and I think that that's you know, that's like kind of what I'm looking for from a book to be honest. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How does that sit with you? Does that feel like it makes sense to you?
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. And I think like in when people kind of ask me like what's true or what's not, it's like I think anything that is embodied in the book is true. Right. Like it, it's, you know, like it's yeah. true. It's it's I have felt it in my body. And and I think like even like you know, the love story in the book, which is between Lou and Ivy, who's this musician who is kind of a classic, like, are you in love with your best friend in high school? Or are you just like buddies? Or like, you know, it's like kind of a, like a, you know, the queer cliche of being 17 or whatever, and not knowing what is a crush and what is your best friend. Um, But that then it actually becomes kind of a love story is like way more true to like my mid to late 20s than it is to my teenage years. I like wasn't you know, in love with the people that I wanted to be in love with at that age. I think, except for mm. from afar and with great longing. Mm. You know, and I think that that, um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know. But yeah. I think that uh, that emotional experience of like really being in love for the first time happened to me later than it happens to Lou in the book. But I think absolutely is like a lived experience, and I th- that's what I want from fiction too. I like want to be transported into somebody else's, um, like not even like life, but just like interiority of like Mm. how things permeate in, you know? And I think that you can't really write that unless you've experienced it on some level. So. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. I think so too. Yeah. Well, it's been awesome to talk with you, Jules. And uh, again, the book is called Body Grammar, which I'm just going to say, I I love this book. And if you're listening to this show, I think you will love this book. Um, it's it's very good. And um before I send you back into your day, I just wanted to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today.
1: Yeah, you know, um my wife and I have been talking about this question for a long time because I we even before like the I knew that I was gonna be on the show because it's something that we just talk about. Um, and then this morning I, and I hadn't been able to th- figure out who it was. And then this morning I woke up and I thought, Mary Oliver is my queero, um, the poet. And oh, awesome. I just, I just love her so much. And she was such a, a, she, she and her partner, like life partner, I feel like were this example of queer creative partnership and like, they weren't married, but like long time love that I think that I didn't really see, ex- you know, an example of. And I didn't know Mary Oliver was queer, like, until I was, like, very, until almost right before she died, I think. And um, and knowing that just, like, changed her poetry so much for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it stuck um, her, just an image of her and her, like, partner on the water, just, like, making art has stuck with me for so long. So, so yeah, Mary Oliver. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for answering that question that you've
0: Ruminated on, and I'm so <laughs> glad it came to you. Uh, awesome, Jules. Thanks so much for your time, and I'll see you next time I'm in Portland.
1: Yeah, come I hope to the so. show. Yeah,
0: that would be awesome. We can high five or compare our heights. I am not 5'9, I'm 5'9 energy.
1: <laughs> would love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jules.